Hey, man, is that the Rock News Weekly Podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is Rock News Weekly. Every week, we bring you all the latest headlines in rock, metal, indie, grunge, alt, and classic rock news. This week's new releases, this week in music history trivia, movies, pop culture, and more. Now on to this week's episode. This week on the Rock News Weekly Podcast, week of July 3rd, 2023, season 5, episode number 25. This week we talk about the Breeders celebrating the 30th anniversary of Last Splash and a special vinyl reissue. P.O.D.'s lead singer honored with Sonny Sandoval Day in his hometown of San Diego. Falling in reverse forced to cancel their show due to extremely poor air quality in New York this week. Volbeat's Michael Polson starts a new band inspired by late 80s death metal. Plus, this week in rock and roll history trivia, weekly WTF, and so much more. All of our links are up at rocknewsweekly.com. Watch us live every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly and on demand on YouTube at Rock News Weekly. All right, it's time for the Rock News Weekly Podcast. What's up, everybody? Chris here, hanging out with our lovely co-host, Arlo. Arlo the cat. Uh, David is out this weekend doing some family stuff on 4th of July, you know, of course. Uh, 4th of July weekend. Big weekend for all that. I'm sure you guys are doing the same, so thanks for stopping by. Uh, if you haven't followed the channel lately, make sure you guys do that. Twitch.tv slash Rock News Weekly. And for you guys listening on the audio podcast, you guys know the drill. You can support us directly. Anchor.fm slash subscribe rock news weekly slash subscribe you guys can support us for 3.99 a month uh watch us when we go live all that stuff twitch.tv slash rock news weekly same on youtube let's get to this week though season five episode number 25 uh the week of july 3rd fourth of july weekend here breeders celebrating the 30th anniversary of last splash big tour vinyl reissue pod's lead singer honored with sunny sandoval day we're going to talk about that. Pretty cool. He's a really good guy in the San Diego community. Uh, falling in reverse, forced to cancel a show due to the extremely poor air quality in New York. Volbeat's Michael Polson starting a new side group. We'll get into all that, so let's get to it. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all at Rock News Weekly. You guys know all that. All right, tour news. I'll put it up on the big screen here on Twitch. Hell's Heroes 6. Look at this cool lineup. And poster. The poster is badass. Artwork is awesome. Sodom, Queensryche, Candlemass, Solitude, Forbidden, Tank, Agent Steel, Girl School on there, Eternal Champion, Omen. So many bands on here. Uh, some really um, deep cut bands, so to speak, that you do not see in the U.S. or on tour very often. So that's a pretty solid lineup, man. This one's happening in Texas, though. My friends were... Uh, my friends... And I were talking about this. It's March 21st through 23rd, White Oak Music Hall in Houston, Texas. Now, it's in March, so it's not going to be as hot uh, as as it could be, I guess. But man, Texas, around that time, at the end of March, may be very, very hot. But who knows? That looks like a killer lineup. I'm jealous of you guys in the area. I'm not going to be traveling for that one. But pretty cool. I wish we had more metal fests like this, especially out here on the West Coast. Hell's Heroes 6, killer, killer lineup. That Queensryche EP and warning set. Uh, they're, they're early stuff, man, just the heavy stuff. Same with Candlemass, Nightfall set. That's going to be killer, man. Um, so good stuff coming to Texas there in March next year. 
All right, the Breeders' Last Splash 30th Anniversary Tour. Check this out. Uh, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, kicking it off on September 7th and wrapping it up in Seattle on the 25th of October. They are coming to the Warfield in San Francisco on October 23rd. I'm sure that's going to sell out if it's not already sold out already. Uh, Henry Miller Library at Big Sur. That is really a, a cool venue that you don't see too often uh, bands playing. I believe that's the one that has been used as a music venue since the Woodstock days, uh, since the Monterey Pop Festival rolled through there uh, in the late 60s. So very cool. The Breeders, man. Last Splash 30th Anniversary Tour. Also with Horse Girl, Screaming Females, and Belly on those uh, supporting acts or uh, supporting acts on those dates, I should say. The Breeders uh, also doing a very cool, uh, what do you call it, a vinyl reissue, 30th anniversary with the original analog audio, remaster for the first time. It's celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. It's been cut at half speed at Abbey Road Studios by Miles Showell and now spans two LPs running at 45 RPM. Two colorways are being released, black vinyl and clear vinyl. The triple LP also includes a 10-inch booklet that contains all lyrics and unseen portraits from the original album shoot by Ken Westerberg. So that's pretty awesome, man. Uh, The Breeders, uh, this is a really defining album from them and a really, really well-done reissue. Um, So check that out if you guys are interested. Speaking of vinyl, Slipknot releasing their first vinyl ever for a live recording. I guess uh, Slipknot has never done a live recording on vinyl, so Slipknot Live at Madison Square Garden is set for a vinyl release for the first time ever. Um, Live at Madison Square Garden will be released this year, August 18th, and I guess it's celebrating the 15th anniversary of the band's fourth album, All Hope Is Gone, uh, which came out in 2008. So check that out. That's a pretty cool vinyl variant there. It's like a clear uh, with blood splatter, it looks like. Very cool. All right, let's uh, continue along with the uh, rock news for the week. Kind of a short week because it's it's a holiday week, so there wasn't a ton of stuff in the news. But this was a pretty big deal as Falling in Reverse was forced to cancel their show due to air quality in New York. Yes, that's right. Um, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it just bad luck, but there has been a string of events that have been canceled uh, due to this bad air quality in New York. And that that stuff is just really, really gnarly right now. I have a picture of it here. Um, check it out. Here's the uh, latest picture. This, is, this was taken on Thursday, I think, is when I got this picture. Uh, this is a picture of New York. Isn't that crazy? So um, it, it's just unreal, the air quality. Uh, I guess they were going to be playing an outdoor show. Um, at St. Joseph's Health Amphitheater. How ironic. What a name. Uh, It says, quote, It will be unsafe tomorrow night due to Canadian wildfire smoke, and we must reschedule, adding that the show will now take place September 12th with the same lineup. All tickets will be honored for the rescheduled date, but those who wish to receive a refund can do so by July 6th. So at least they're offering that. Um, Very, very unfortunate. Um, But, man, that air quality is just no joke. So... Uh, falling in reverse, having to cancel that. Look at that picture once again of that air quality in New York. Just pretty, pretty brutal, man. Um, okay, so 
Let's get to this Sunny Sandoval POD. Oh, yeah, let me turn on my closed captioning for you guys. There we go, closed captioning, so you guys can see that as well. POD, lead singer Sunny Sandoval, honored with Sunny Sandoval Day uh, in San Diego. This is a pretty big deal for him and the San Diego community. Uh, you guys can check him out here. He's uh, He's got this shirt on here that says Healthy Kids Day. He's really involved in the whole San Diego community. Um, and this is a big deal for him. So uh, the city of San Diego honoring Sonny Sandoval, declaring June 23rd to be Sonny Sandoval Day in honor of the POD singer. The proclamation was made during a city council meeting. A city council representative um, made this statement, which was really nice. It says, Sonny Sandoval is a musician, songwriter, philanthropist who has never forgotten his roots as a South San Diego native. His first major label hit was titled Southtown, proudly proclaiming his love for the 92154 region. His love for the region didn't stop there as he shot the music video showcasing the community. This ended up becoming MTV number one hit at the time. Also collaborated with other community members and organizations such as the San Diego Padres, the WWE. And it says, thank you, Mr. Sonny Sandoval, for your willingness to make a difference around the world and still shining a spotlight in our community. Um... What was really cool, I guess it was his mom's birthday. He says, quote, The best part about being honored or recognized the day of June 23rd, it's my mother's birthday. I know it means just as much to her as it does to me. Happy birthday, Mom. So that's really cool. I thought that was a pretty neat uh, thing there that Sonny Sandoval uh, not only getting honored on June 23rd, but it turns out it was his mom's birthday as well. So uh, pretty awesome. Good for him. Seems like a really genuinely uh, good guy. Every time I see something in the news or the media about Sonny Sandoval or any members of the POD for that matter, they're always doing something really positive. And, uh, you know, I wish more bands would do that kind of stuff. So good for him. All right. Michael Polson forming a new death metal band. This sounds really cool. I listened to the lead single already. I'm not going to play it for you because of DMCA and all that, but uh, you guys can check it out for yourselves. The group is called As In Hell, all one word, no space. Um, he recruited singer Mark Grew of Insidious Disease, ex Morgoth, um, to be the lead singer of the group. He also ex- recruited drummer Morten Taft, Toft Hansen from the Danish band Raunchy. Uh, to round out this three-piece. He says, quote, We're very excited to share the first taste of As in Hell with Fall of the Loyal Warrior. The song is kind of a tribute to bands I love like Bolt Thrower, Entombed, Autopsy, Grave, and Dark Throne. They're the reason why we can do this in the first place, and we're proud to wear our influences on our sleeve. This sounds really cool. It sounds like an awesome, you know, uh, kind of you know, I, I like to think that a lot of members of bands would love to do something like this, that they'd like to have kind of an outlet for something that they feel they can't quite do in their own band. I know Billy Joe Armstrong uh, does it quite often with the Foxborough Hot Tubs, Pinhead Gunpowder, um, all those other types of bands away from Green Day. And I know a lot of other musicians do it as well. So I love to see stuff like this where it kind of shows their own personal interests. It goes to the roots of why they're doing what they're doing and they just want to have fun so uh projects like this always come across well because it comes from a place of honesty and i think it's going to be a really cool project for him and it would be awesome to see these guys they're probably going to play at some hole in the wall places you know uh, maybe a, a venue that normally volbeat would never play but you could get up close and personal and see him with this group 
at maybe your local venue. So who knows, man? That's uh, that's another cool thing about these side projects with these bands. It gives you an opportunity uh, to see them in a smaller setting at a cheaper price without all the hoopla of the mainstream band that they're normally in, right? All right, let's continue. We got lots more rock to get to. Rock news, I should say. Uh, all right, let's continue. Oh, yeah. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Anthony Kiedis. This was an interesting article, and I, I thought... Uh, you know, I was hoping we could have a discussion with it with David here, but I bet you this happens with a lot of bands and a lot of singers don't consider themselves very musical. They just kind of consider themselves the front man. They're maybe the least musically talented out of all the members in the band. And Anthony Kiedis is not afraid to describe that. According to Louder Sound, uh, he spoke on this la- on his personal lack of confidence in his singing ability saying that in addition to him not labeling himself as a musician, he hasn't had any music education. And Flea was talking about this conversation with the L.A. Times. So L.A. Times asked him, Hey, Flea, what do you think about this interview? Anthony Kiedis being very candid about his musical ability. And Flea says, quote, A really good one was with Anthony. We were both kind of in tears because I never talked to him about stuff like that. Anthony doesn't really consider himself a musician. This is, you know, Anthony uh, Kiedis we're talking about here. Doesn't consider himself a musician or that he's had any music education whatsoever. He used to say we we should change the band's name to The Idiot and The Three Geniuses. He continued, and people would be down on him, you know. Eddie Vedder's up there like Pavarotti, but the resonance is different with Anthony. When asked if he feels Kiedis is a talented singer, Flea responded, I think he's a great singer, and he's always learning and getting better. When we learned, or excuse me, when we started the band, he couldn't sing a note, and he just yelled. He added, now he's got melodies, and he doesn't even stick to them. He flows around and improvises. Look, I know who the great singers are, Kurt, Jim Morrison, uh, Roger Daltrey, but for me, all I care about with any musician is that a person sounds like themselves, and nobody sounds like Anthony Kiedis. And I thought that was a really good point. And and you don't have to be the most talented person in the room or a talented, you know, like Pavarotti or something like that. But you got to be true to yourself and you have to have a distinct sound that makes you sound unique, you know, not trying to sound like other people. So I think that's a good point. And uh, Flea, you know, kind of giving a, a really nice compliment to Anthony, uh, even though, you know, he was kind of down on himself saying, hey, I'm the least talented of these guys but also talented in his own way, and he's definitely uh, true to himself. All right, we got some birthdays to get to this week. Let's do it. Let's do the birthdays. All right, we got some birthdays, of course, this week, as always. And, you know... um, I just want to give a shout out to David because he's such a good uh, part of it. He always does this part, and he's a he's a great part of the podcast. And Arlo, you you got to step it up here, man. Uh, I'm kind of waiting on you to jump in any minute. You know, my cat uh, Arlo is the co-host while David's gone, and he's very opinionated. And you know, he 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 lets us know his opinions here at the house on a day to day basis, but not on the podcast, I guess. So, anytime, Arlo. You, you don't want to do this part? Okay. All right. Let's get back to the birthdays. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, birthday time. This week, Mick Jones, singer, guitarist of The Clash, Big Audio Dynamite. He's 68 years old today. 
or this week. Colin Hay, guitarist, singer, uh, Men at Work, 70 years old this week. Ian Pace, drummer of Deep Purple, 75. Hal Lindis, Hal Linz, I'm not sure how to say that, guitarist of Dire Straits, is 70 years old. Debbie Harry, looking fabulous, singer of Blondie, is 78 years old and still killing it. Blondie's got a new album, they got a new single, it's killer, and she's staying super busy, so I love to see that, man. Roy Baton, the keyboardist of Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, is 74. And we got some trivia. We actually have a double edition today. Yes, time for some trivia. Let's do it. Uh, this week in rock and roll history trivia. Uh, oh, wait, I picked the wrong scene there. This one. This is the one I wanted. Here we go. Uh, this week in rock and roll history trivia. This week in 1977. All right, guys. This artist made what turned out to be his final public appearance at the Market Square Arena in Indianapolis. He died 51 days later. Who was it? Was it A, Elvis Presley? B. G. G. Allen, or was it C. Sid Vicious? Who was it? Passed away this week in 19, well, 51 days later, but this was his last public appearance this week. Who was it? Oh, yeah, I forgot. What, or was it D? David Cocaine Crosby and his Black Metal Boogaloo, little side project he had, where it was David Crosby dressed as Jack the Ripper with clown makeup and dreadlocks playing a BC Rich Warlock guitar through a busted app singing into a blown-out speaker. He died, but was later resurrected on stage by the Reverend Billy Graham during WrestleMania's pay-per-view event in 1985. That actually didn't happen, but one of these three artists, it did, in 1977. Was it Elvis Presley, Gigi Allen, or Sid Vicious? What do you think, guys? It was Elvis Presley. This week in 1977, Elvis Presley made what turned out to be his final public appearance at Market Square Arena in Indianapolis. This is a photo from that era. I don't know if it's from that show specifically, but he was looking looking pretty hefty, pretty rough these days, or those days. 51 days later, he was dead. All right, we have some bonus trivia. That's right, bonus edition, double edition here on your 4th of July weekend. This week in 1996, guys, 1996, this band reunites with a different drummer at the Prince's Trust concert in England. The charity event with Eric Clapton as the headliner also features Bob Dylan performance with Ron Wood sitting on the guitar. What band reunited, though? Was it A, the Yardbirds, B, Led Zeppelin, or C, the Who? Or was it D, David Cocaine Crosby and the Classic Cars? David, Cro- uh, David Crosby freebasing cocaine in his 1952 Buick Le Mans on stage, leaving the engine idling until the auditorium fills with smoke and he peels out and crashes into the orchestra section. Yeah, the, not a very popular show. Didn't get very good reviews on that, but one of these is the real answer. The Yardbirds, Led Zeppelin, or The Who? Who reunited for the Prince's Trust concert in England? It was The Who. This week in 1996, reunited with Zach Starkey on the drums to perform Quadrophenia at the Prince's Trust concert in England. The band also features David Gilmour, other notable musicians. Uh, Eric Clapton was the headliner, Bob Dylan, Ron Wood, 
A lot of other people were there. It was a pretty big show in 1996 this week. All right. Uh, we give a lot of flack to David Crosby. You're like, what is all this David Crosby stuff you always joke about? Well, it's related to David Crosby's kind of sordid past, which on this week, June 29th, 2004, David Crosby had his court date pleading guilty to a gun possession possession charge and pleading a $5,000 fine in New York City while a marijuana possession charge is dropped from earlier in 2004. Uh, here's the story behind that arrest. Uh, he was uh, arrested at 1 a.m. in a Times Square hotel after police found a loaded 45 caliber handgun, small quantity of marijuana, checked out of the Doubletree Suites Hotel on Broadway after he performed Friday night at the William Patterson University Shea Center. Uh, he left behind a piece of luggage. It was found by a hotel employee. The employee went through the luggage looking for identification, finding instead the handgun and the marijuana. So there you go. Uh, he was also arrested in 1985 in Texas. Uh, he's got a, quite a history, man. And RIP, dude, what a legend. Uh, David Crosby lived a long and crazy life, man. All right, new rock and metal album releases in less than 30 seconds. Normally David does this, but I'm going to give it a go this week. All right, I think I can do this in less than 30 seconds. These are all new albums that just came out on June 30th. Think I can do it, guys? Well, I'm going to do it anyway. All right, here we go. Antriope, Amnesia, Before the Dawn, Stormbringers, Calico, Jack, Isla de la Muerte, Death, Ray, Vision, No Mercy from Electric Eyes, East of the Wall, A Neutral Second, Graf, Fear, Into the Outer Wilderness, The Who, Rumble of Thunder, Deluxe Edition, Melvins, At the Stake, Atlantic Recordings, Night Legion, Fight or Fall, Raven, All Hell's Breaking Loose, Shattenman, Dia de los Muertos, Chakra, Invincible, Static Abyss, Aborted Reality, Throw the Fight, Strange World, Virgin Steel, The Passion of Dionysus, and we still got two seconds left. I did it. David would be proud. Uh, those are all your new albums that just came out. Uh, very cool. All right, so make sure you guys check that out. All right, uh, what else we got going on here? Uh, let's see here this week. Oh, yes, news from around the world, uh, or movie TV entertainment news. Pete Davidson reportedly checking into rehab. So Pete Davidson in rehab, reportedly struggling with PTSD and borderline personality disorder symptoms. Uh, apparently his good friend John Mulaney checked into rehab uh, at the same Pennsylvania facility uh, that John Mulaney is in there, seeking help with his own personal drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, they, a friend told uh, the media outlet about this. Pete regularly goes to rehab for tune-ups and to take a mental break, so that's what's happening. So uh, there you go. Hope you get better, um, Pete, and get it all figured out, man. Supreme Court strikes down affirmative action in a 6-3 ruling. Wanted to talk about David, uh, talk with David about this this week. I'm sure he works at a college, university uh, here locally, so I wanted to hear his kind of take on this. But this was a big deal here in the United States. Uh, the court ruled that race-conscious admissions policies at Harvard and the University of North Carolina unavoidably employ race in a negative manner and involve racial stereotyping in violation of the Constitution. The ruling will dramatically alter admissions policies that have been in place for decades at many universities where race has been a factor in selecting a student population that mirrors the makeup of the nation as a whole. So there you go. That's happening. Um, I think, me personally, I don't think it's a, a great uh, ruling. I think maybe affirmative action could have done with a retuning and a kind of revamping. 
but I think the idea behind it is is good. I don't think that it's a good idea that we would be pushing out anyone that's qualified that wasn't a specific race that's looking to fill some some kind of a statistic number. But at the same time, I do feel like those statistics are marginally, um, you know, um, or disproportionately marginalized uh, compared to a lot of other people. So. Uh, you know, I, I, it's kind of a 50-50 thing, and I, I feel like, I don't know, that 6-3 ruling is pretty powerful. So we'll see in the years to come the repercussions of that. NASA, <laughs> I thought this was kind of funny and kind of cool. They're recycling 98% of their astronaut urine and sweat on this International Space Station into drinkable water. So it's a technological milestone. Apparently... It's recycling 98% of all water astronauts bring on board the station. So, one part of this uses advanced dehumidifiers to capture moisture that the station's crew the breathes and sweats out when they go about their daily tasks. Urine, though, it's a complicated process that has to be done exactly right. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's gonna it's all bad. So that's why NASA's new $23 million space toilet uses extremely powerful acids to treat astronaut pee so that it's sparkling clean. Here's a picture of this $23 million toilet uh, that's going up to the International Space Station. It uses acids so strong that only a handful of metals can actually withstand them over an extended period of time. Uh, Titanium is one of those metals. The project manager uh, says, unfortunately, titanium is a pretty hefty type of metal. So NASA developed a 3D printed technique to make the titanium parts lighter than usual. It's a complicated process, they say, but it's worth it. When the astronauts have to go, we want them to allow, allow them to boldly go. <laughs> That's hilarious. So here's a picture of their little kind of um, space station porta potty that has this crazy $23 million toilet in it. Pretty wild, huh? So, uh, yeah, I just thought that was amazing and pretty neat. Okay, weekly WTF this week. Florida cops take on Meth Island. So this is crazy, man. Look at this picture of this uh, Meth Island, this treehouse community known as, quote, booby-trapped Meth Island in Daytona Beach, Florida. The island was covered in wooden structures, trampolines, and even a mini skate park. It's become well-known on social media due to rampant, rampant drug use. A number of wooden structures cover the space like a community center. So they've been trying to get this under control. Um, but unfortunately, these structures becoming dangerous during the hurricane season. Some areas have been booby-trapped to prevent outsiders from entering. Police say they will focus on these traps at a later date. No occupants were on the island during the time of the raid. Nobody was there. So they, I guess they picked a good time. But man... Uh, booby-trapped meth island in Florida. Sounds like a great vacation destination. All right. Mischief strikes again, selling a microscopic handbag for over 60K in its latest art stunt. A miniature handbag me measuring just 657 by 222 microns, less than 0.03 inches wide, sold for over $63,000 at an online auction. It's barely visible to the human eye. That's a fluorescent yellowish-green bag based on a Louis Vuitton design, though it is the work of a New York art collective known as Mischief. These guys try and do kind of um, anarchy type of stuff. Um, so here's a picture of the uh, zoomed-in, the handbag. 
which you could see it on the tip of your finger. You can barely see it. Uh, they used a crazy 3D microprint scale uh, technology to print it. They've been making headlines with its drops, irreverent art projects that often poke fun while profiting from consumer capitalism. Um, they were sued by Nike over the Satan shoes that had apparently uh, drops of human blood. Look at some of the other stuff that they've done. They had a pop-up ice cream event in New York and L.A. dubbed Eat the Rich featuring popsicles of Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and others, Jeff Bezos. You could actually buy these popsicles. Um, they had Birkenstocks that were ripped up Birkin handbags uh, that created these for $76,000 a pair. They did those big cartoonish rubber boots. Uh, they became a viral sensation. They also had this uh, sacred seltzer that was, it says, let's get crunk on Christ. Sacred seltzer contains 95% real holy water and 5% alcohol, blessed by a real Catholic uh, priest in L.A. So they do stuff like this where it's kind of, um, you know, poking fun at iconic corporate entities and pop culture creative, but um, they're still making money. I thought this was funny. This this big Fruit Loop. It's just one single Fruit Loop in a box, and it's all real stuff. You guys could check it out on their website uh, if you want more info on them. They're pretty interesting. Uh, they're called Mischief. M I S C H M I excuse me M S C H F Mischief. If you guys are interested, that's it for us this week, though, guys. Short one this week. Have a great rest of your holiday. I know you guys are celebrating 4th of July weekend out there, uh, or by the time you're listening to this, 4th of July is going to be tomorrow on Tuesday. So enjoy it. Have a good one, guys. Everything at rocknewsweekly.com. All socials at rocknewsweekly. Uh, Let's go out with a commercial. Enjoy the rest of your uh, guys' 4th of July week. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you next time, all right? Have a good one. Peace. And now a message from one of our sponsors. Oh, man, I just can't get this right. Dang it. Hey, kids. Burr P here. <laughs> well, y'all planning on packing your bags for card camp this year? No, not really. You have the difficulty of figuring out the complex timing of your favorite corn classics? Five-eighths, four-fourths, or seven-eighths? It can be pretty tricky to learn sometimes, right? What if I told you you can learn these complex corn timings all with the elegant simplicity? Of quadratic equations. Uh, I I guess that sounds cool. It's simply a matter of mathematics. I'm Card Camp's new math teacher. Here to teach you some rockin' quadratic formulas to dissect the timing of your favorite card and songs. Cool! I've had quite a history with math and rhythm. Oh, my Sunday school days when the bristles of my mustache were but a downy fluff. Mother demanded a perfect cadence discipline and the truth of eternal forms oh mother what fondness of rhythm and timing she fostered in those my tender years that is until uh until no no i can't pardon us barry uh, come back please you have a contractual obligation well back back in my beatnik days i was entranced by the pulsing cadence of a coffee house bongo drum Rhythmic snapping of fingers. That's a cool verse. Exposing the decadence of American vice. But uh, I'm tired of that scene. Calculating those rhythms was so pedestrian. I needed chaos. I needed anarchy. 
I skipped the pod for London and began to thrash. <laughs> Punk rhythms clashed through my head. The rhythms gave me meaning. Solace. But living in a punk house didn't give me scabies, so I, I came home and I went to school. I went to Texas A&M. Math is it's just everywhere, kids. Even in your favorite corn classics, like... Dead bodies everywhere. Y'all want a single. Love and meth. Well, it's quadratic chaos. Sign up for Gord Camp's quadratic chaos with Barry Anderson now. Go to gordcamp.com.